You're listening to the SHL Smart Teams Podcast, a show where we invite experts on people science to talk about how to build a future where businesses thrive because their people thrive. Hello and welcome to SHL Talent Talks. My name is Lance Andrews. I lead SHL's solutions consulting team in North America, and I'm joined by one of my colleagues, Aaron Krask. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm so great. Thanks for having me, Lance. I'm excited to be here talking about personality with you. Yeah, so the question to start with, I know we were, when we talked yesterday, we were both going to watch the, the new documentary on HBO, the Persona documentary. So did you get a chance to, to watch it? I did. I watched it last night. And as somebody who also has a background in industrial and organizational psychology, there was a lot there that was very concerning, a lot to think through and chat through. And I thought maybe one of the places we would start is just talking a little bit about what kind of assessments are and aren't appropriate to use in the workplace and and how do you pick the right ones and and what were they talking about in that documentary last night and and i'd love just to get your initial gut reactions on those things yeah i mean so i mean a big part of where they started and it was a recurring theme throughout is talking about the the myers briggs and that was at the the center of a lot of the the representation of personality and personality assessment. And I think that as IO psychologists, it's one of the things we frequently deal with is people saying, oh, you do workplace testing. It must be the, the Myers-Briggs. Like I've taken that before. It's, uh, I, I think of not to, uh, you know, trash on anything, but you know, it's it's more of the, um, maybe the astrology for for, for nerds of, of sorts, you know, the, the Myers-Briggs is, it's typing people and kind of you can kind of see what you want to see in, in the in the Myers-Briggs results, but it's largely seen as something that shouldn't be used for selection. I think most experts would agree that it's not designed for that. And, uh, you know, with a big actually we were watching this uh, with my family for a little while. And my oldest daughter said, Dad, isn't this what you do for for work? Is this is it bad? And I was like, oh, well, some inappropriate assessment uh, when it has someone's job on the line is bad if it's, if it's not done well. But, you know, we do a really, the way that there's people that study this, I studied this and work in, in this for my job. And it's, it, there is a very solid scientifically backed and fair and objective way to, to use assessments to actually make the hiring process better. So, yeah, I mean, what, what, do, what did you think about the kind of how, how they started with getting into the representation of personality testing overall? Yes, I absolutely agree about the, they jumped right into this idea of using assessments that we know aren't meant for making hiring decisions and then jumped right into this use of them. And there are definitely people out there who are using tools, uh, whether it's Myers-Briggs or other personality typing tools that aren't meant to be used in the workplace. Uh, I'm sorry, they are meant to be used in the workplace that are not meant to be used as part of selection decisions and they're getting used inappropriately that way. And, and it strikes me that there are just definitely, there's definitely education needed in terms of what kinds of tools are appropriate to use in the workplace, what you should be measuring for and how you should be using it. There are so many people who might be looking for certain personality types, whether you're an extrovert for sales or things that seem so obvious. But you know what we know is that 
using measures that use a more continuous spectrum rather than typing are so much more appropriate for making selection decisions because it helps you understand the nuance of people and also not selecting people based on a single factor um, in personality, but rather understanding full profiles of people. And when I say profiles, what I mean um, are job-related factors that add up to a whole picture. And I think what uh, one of the other really important things to talk about when we think about what's appropriate for the workplace and what's not is that no one tool should also be used to make a hiring decision. And, uh, and the documentary certainly implied that making hiring decisions based on one data point is something that's prolific and an issue. And I would agree that that is an issue. If you're making a hiring decision based on one piece of data, you're not looking at somebody's whole picture. And, and that's just something we talk about all the time in the industry is that you should be taking into account multiple pieces of information as you're making decisions about candidates at different stages in the hiring process. And, um, and so I think those are some of the things that strike me the most. And one of the things I think that would be interesting to talk about too is this idea of um, using assessments and, and the bias that um, was suggested that they bring into the workplace, that they've been built and um, validated based on one single demographic, and that's what everyone else is now compared against. And, and we now know that's not true, and, and that's not the way that we have built our tools. And Lance, I don't know if you have thoughts about kind of the way that right. tools have been built and I, you know, how, how we actually yeah. create those tools to be fair in the workplace. Yeah, and, and you know, the, it, it just takes, you know, one bad application of, of good science to kind of spoil the bunch and, and ruin the reputation of it. And there, let's, let's, let's be fair, there are, from a, you know, maybe a BuzzFeed quiz, you know, which Harry Potter, how, which, which Hogwarts house are you in based off of your favorite kind of food? Or, you know, you, there's some things that are just kind of silly pop culture references to personality that kind of bleed into this as well. Like um, good, good tests, are designed to be as objective and fair as possible. And there there have been some that have had biases. And so as good practitioners, it's important to get the, the science out and how we go about developing tests that actually level the playing field for, for people of, of all races, ethnicities, genders. I mean, it's, it's important to, to look at how tests can be used to overcome bias, uh, natural biases that are baked into to natural human selection. So like, you know, it's the application of, of tools that are inappropriate for the type of <laughs> the type of use that is really the, the the issue here. So I think one of the one of the texts I got many texts from other IO friends around. I'm sure you probably were getting some information from some of your colleagues and friends. But one of them said, you know, uh, you know, you wouldn't drive a golf cart on a freeway, uh, and that's kind of similar to using an inappropriate uh, test, a personality test that isn't designed for selection for selection. Um, I think just using the wrong, wrong tool for the for the job that you're you're applying it to is is part of the issue with with how they're representing how personality is used for selection. Yeah, I love that analogy. It's the right tool for the right job in the right time, and it, when you have those tools, you can make good decisions, and it does help to protect people in the selection process by minimizing bias and maximizing objective decision-making, in fact. And one of the things that strikes me is, you know, there's so much human bias in everything that we do, unconscious bias and research that talks about 
how recruiters um, select differentially based on perceived fit into role when they read different kinds of names, just names, or see different kinds of backgrounds on resumes. And it's all a, a subconscious bias, right? It's not yeah. things that are happening overtly. And, and that kind of um, bias is really profound in the selection process and using the right tool for the right job actually helps mitigate against exactly the kind of thing that was being talked about. And, um, and the thing that's really sensitive to me and strikes me and kind of in a, in a personal place is this idea of uh, the, the way that they've tied mental health into yeah. this conversation and in this idea that you can link people's mental health state to um, a personality assessment. And it's just really disturbing to me because when you're using the right tool, something that's been built to be used in the workplace, something that asks about work-related different kinds of characteristics, these tools have been built and specifically designed to not correlate to mental health outcomes. So when you're using the right kind of tool, those tools are actually designed to not link to mental health outcomes, to help protect those kinds of things. And, and I think that's a really important call out because there are a lot of people out there who have fear um, of being discriminated against. Um, and those people are protected by law, but we know that these kinds of things sneak in and, and it's really important to work with a partner who's helping to put the right tools forward that actually help you protect people with different protected characteristics, whether it's a disability, whether it's um, different kind of background, ethnicity, gender, any of those protected characteristics, a good tool will actually help minimize the bias in the hiring process rather than highlight it and call it out for recruiters to see as seemed to be suggested. Yeah, the one thing I'll, I'll actually agree with, kind of extending on that, is you know not just even the, the the test needs to be designed to make sure it's not getting at any of the mental health issues or concerns, and you know a good provider is going to actually review those items and make sure they're not inadvertently getting at something that would also reflect a, a mental health. You know, if your optimism at work, that's something you may want to measure, but if that bleeds into optimism and your general outlook on life, you're getting into the area of de depression and, and anxiety. So you need to be very careful in not measuring those things. But what I will agree with on from, from the documentary is one of the things they highlighted is some organizations and one application of testing is to clone your existing workforce. So let's let's measure the existing workforce with the personality test and find more people with the exact same personality profile and matching and, and just really replicating those types of individuals and hire more people like them, which will just literally bake in any biases that led to the selection of your existing workforce. So if it was, you know, a, a, a predominantly white male executive team and leadership team that hired the, the staff that's in an organization now, and then you profile that person, you're going to get some of those same traits of those people that were there before, which would not be a good application. So it's important, I think, to not only ensure that the test is not going to have those those biases and but it's really important to consider how you're designing what you're looking for and, and doing it in a way that you're not baking in any of the existing biases of, of the past and there there are there are applications that that could create problems if you don't do it carefully so that's why it's important to really look at the, the not just the the test itself but you know how you're implementing is just as important yeah and a lot of that you know we hear clients ask us things 
uh, like, hey, will you send a few assessments my way? I'm going to send them to my three best performers and we're going to use that as our profile. And, and this is the exact conversation we have with those folks too, that you're actually, if you just look to clone those few people, you're going to run into these kinds of challenges. And, and so one of the things that was discussed in the documentary was this idea that the tests have been written and um, validated against a certain kind of population, largely white and male. And in research today, what we do is uh, assess tons of different people from all over the world often and uh, with incredibly diverse backgrounds, geographically, socioeconomically, um, racially, gender, all the different kinds of um, diversity we can collect. And then we look at that data to understand where, if and where there are differences, and we create norms that collectively um, help you understand where you fall against a much more diverse population. We're not just comparing, as may have been suggested, um, to a very minimalistic profile. And that's why we use those norm groups and recommend against folks going through that exact method that you talked about, Lance, and actually measuring against um, a norm group. And then we might have different norm groups for different places in the world. So, and we continuously update those things to make sure that we are identifying and looking for those differences and helping to identify that in the assessment creation process and then guide our clients on how to implement them in the right way. And so I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that test design process and, and the building of the right tools and then the way we recommend implementing them as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a little bit of, uh, in, in the in the one of the sections I'm, I'm recalling, it, it almost made it seem like it was some type of trickery or magic or some kind of um, really devious way of evaluating people. They're trying to get you off guard and make you defensive. And I, I guess I can see where they're coming from. They, we, there are some questions that are asked multiple ways and like, are trying to deceive me, but that's just to, to make it more accurate, to make sure we're not jumping to conclusions off of limited information. But really, you know, it's not like you go, I'll go back to the Harry Potter example. It's not the sorting hat that's going to magically, you know, you put it on your head and it's going to tell you what's going to shape your entire life for the, for the rest of your educational uh, time at Hogwarts. You know, it's, it's actually gathering information that helps reflect your actual natural tendencies, your preferences at work. And it's, it's, it's no, there's nothing mysterious about it. There's a lot of science that goes into how how those are designed and, and, and what's being measured. And the other thing I, I go back to, so let's let's take personality testing aside and say, go back to what you, another thing you mentioned, Aaron, is that it's not just, no one would recommend, I would never recommend that you use just a personality test to make any decision. I wouldn't recommend you use just an interview to make any decision, you know, use multiple sources of, of data um, I mean, would you would you rather a capricious interviewer be the only decider in the process, left to their own devices and their own biases to to, and even the 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 people they select to, to come to an interview? There's and there's a ton of research, well documented that there's a lot of bias in just reading names of in, of, of applicants and, and who you invite to to the next stage. There there's many years ago looking at they they did some some psychologists did some. Uh, research where they took resumes, changed nothing but the name to have an African American sounding name and a and a white sounding name, had them applied to jobs, and, and the the, the African American sounding names got 50% fewer invitations to the next stage in the process. So, we're talking about overcoming those natural biases that that people have, and 
you know, using tools and automation in, in ways of, you know, objectifying the process actually can help reduce the natural human biases if, if done well. Yeah, I think that's a hugely important piece of research to call out is that these kinds of biases show up in our human in our in our human measures when we have recruiters looking at resumes when we have people conducting interviews we see that same thing and and so using these tools that are designed to help minimize that bias is also really important for scale there's some research that shows that recruiters spend 10 seconds or less looking at a resume and if you're making these snap decisions We've evolved as a species to make snap decisions using schemas and biases, you know, and we're not running from lions anymore, but we're certainly making, uh, it, you know, important life decisions when we're only spending a few seconds looking at uh, somebody's resume. And so being able to bring more objectivity to the process and data that's actually going to help us figure out who is going to um, be good at a job and removing some of those extraneous variables I don't know how else you would scale the efforts of recruiters in a way to protect people. I think I, I can't imagine what else you would do other than try to add more objective data to the process. And one of the things I think might also be interesting to touch on in this conversation is this weapons of math destruction conversation yeah. and this i it kind of seems to allude to this idea of using big data and artificial intelligence unchecked and the consequences of that and i have some thoughts about this but would love to get your take on on that piece of things lance yeah and that's you know there there's uh, a, a good segment on on that, and I, I think in general, there's actually some some truth behind how big data opened up, you know, this this new stage of dust bowl empiricism, where we're looking for any way of predicting some type of outcome with existing data, and that does expose you to scenarios where you're going to just bake in more bias. And there there was some truth to how the uh, the big data and applications of artificial intelligence can be uh, misused and, and used in ways that actually perpetuate bias. Um, you know, the, this notion of, you know, maybe even back to the, the sorting hat where people are going to have their life shaped in creating this underclass of people because of these, these algorithms, uh, you know, if done poorly, that, that probably could be the case, but the, you know, the, the science and how we look at this, the turning algorithms loose is not good science. I think the big data point is an interesting one because we big data is it's a kind of a shiny toy and it is interesting to dig into these big sets of data and find what correlates with what and and uh, that can be a fun exercise for a statistician and um, people can write theses and dissertations on it um, but when you actually get into the decision making process and, and get into the idea, okay, so now that we've done something interesting, but what do we do some when, when we apply big data or how do we take the information that we have at our fingertips and make good decisions with it? I think the most important thing is just to go back to 
theory and research and, and what we know we're trying to accomplish, right? So don't go into a data set and say, we'll see what emerges from here. What are the trends that emerge? And we'll just go with that. It's you have to put some human thought behind it and, and some logic and rational decision-making and say, does this make sense? And when I'm looking at this data, am I making decisions that are in the best interest of you know humanity at large maybe, but, uh, but really as an organization, am I making decisions that are socially just and and can I defend those and can I relate the decisions that I'm making back to the job relatedness? That's where we yeah. keep coming back to that pulse of job relatedness. When I use my data, can I relate it back to a job? Am I predicting job related outcomes? Am I measuring things that are actually on the surface job related? And if you start to lose that sense of, well, I don't really know how this artificial intelligence or I don't, I don't really understand how this data tells us this, it just does, that's where the hot water is, right? If you start just letting this data make decisions for you, that's, that's a real problematic area to be in. And something that we talk about a lot is, is having transparency in your algorithms and decision-making so you can explain how the decisions you're making and the recommendations that come out of data relate back to the best interests of people and um, job predictiveness. Yeah, the, the the black box nature of some of the algorithmic tools out there is 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 where when you don't know what is being used and you can't even understand, you can't even learn what traits or, or features are being put into those algorithms. That's that's problematic. I mean, good science has a hypothesis that you test and you you, you form a, a theory around the, the, the collected evidence. And when it comes to selection, you need to have a hypothesis about what you're trying to predict and what what aspects of a job are important. And then you want to find ways of identifying people that have those traits, not just turning over an algorithm to see what features can I find that correlate with the people that are currently doing well in this company. Uh, that's not that's not good science. And I think that was highlighted in in a number of ways in, in the documentary as well. Absolutely. And I think it's also worth mentioning um, that best practice, we've talked a little bit about best practices in assessment design and being able to use data and ask good questions of your data and root that in, uh, in logic as you're designing tools and making decisions, but also um, consistency in application. And this is one of the things that when you just think about hiring and the workplace in general, no matter what tools, whether it's an unstructured interview, a resume screen, an assessment, the importance of being really consistent across people and using tools that help you make, that add objectivity to the process and help you make objective decisions can also help with that consistency across recruiters, across hiring managers, across departments, and help people have a better experience overall because there is consistency in the process and different people are being treated the same. It helps us, that kind of data helps us really um, level set. And when I think about resumes in particular, there's so many factors that go into resume quality and it could be writing skill, it could be um, yeah. just the way you've chosen to set up your resume, and you're really not comparing candidates' apples to oranges, even if you take the name off the top, right? You're still not comparing people based on similar criteria, and using tools like a good workplace tool that's been backed by good data and helps you minimize um, those um, unfair differences between people, 
those are things that actually help you look at Canada's apples to apples in a way that is really hard to get at through just resume screens and applications and, and even interviews often. So, yeah. you know, those are some of the things that strike me as it is so important to bring a good tool. Uh, and by good tool, I mean one that's been designed with um, good human theory behind it and, um, and, and normed against a really diverse population because that's, that's how you actually can start to promote um, more protection of people in your process and bring more objective decision making and comparing candidates in a fairer way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. If, if you were just to let people just submit their resumes and evaluate them based on what they present, you've got different sorts of information. It's, it's really unstandardized. You have different experiences and people are presenting their experience in their resumes differently. So it's, it's, it's not a standardized set of information to compare candidates equally. You can't even, you can't even judge who did, who is better or has a, has a better fit or better set of skills for the job because they may have just not presented it as, as equally as, as some of the other applicants. So at its core, a, a good selection process will provide the, the applicants a way to demonstrate their capabilities in a way that's standard and consistent across all applicants. So everybody can be evaluated fairly and consistently on the same type of data. And that's, you know, a, a good assessment process. will do that too. Um, I, one last thought that I wanted to share as we're thinking about using tools for their intended purpose in the workplace is that there's a reason that tools like Myers-Briggs um, are so um, profound and they're so popular. And that is because they have the sticky factor. They give you short bits of information. Yeah. They help you understand a little bit about yourself. They provide you with just enough insight um, to help you understand yourself a little better and others. And there are really great places for those kinds of tools. Um, and that can be in different kinds of team building exercises. Um, that can be helping you understand yourself better. And, and that's uh, those short bits of information that does create the sticky factor. It's part of the reason that those tools are so popular and there is a time and a place for them. It's just using them for good and for um, and for the right kinds of decisions and in the right kinds of places. And so I think that's one of the things to understand is that it's not that all tools um, are good or bad. It's it's about how you use them in the context. So that's just a, a thought about the choose the right tool for the right job. Make sure that you understand what you're using for what purpose. Yeah, that's that's a really, really good clarification and a really good point, Aaron. And maybe that's a great place to end. Uh, so on the on the topic of using the right tool, where can, where can people learn more if, they, if they're interested in learning a little bit more about how to appropriately use assessments for, for the workplace? Where, where, they can, where can they learn more? Absolutely. So at SHL, we would love to have this conversation um, in more depth about uh, how you can create good, standard, consistent processes and how you can design hiring processes that help actually promote diversity in your workplace um, and protect your people. There are actually going to be several other conversations like this happening over the next several weeks. So if you follow the SHL blog or our SHL podcast, you can find both of those on our website. That's a great place where you can join and continue to learn more um, and, and participate in this conversation. So we hope that you'll join us there. Thank you very much, Aaron. Nice talking to you. Thank you so much, Lance. Great talking with you too today. Thanks for listening to the SHL Smart Teams podcast. To learn more about how SHL helps companies leverage their greatest asset, 
their people. Please visit shl.com.